Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyler Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode 11. A lot to get into today. Um, NBA, free agency in the draft. Um, you know, got to get into a lot of that for sure. Um, we'll do headlines, free agency draft, we'll get into college football headlines, and then my post-week 12 Power 22 standings. Um, my game of the week and bets of the week predictions. And then I'm going to do a new uh, segment, rank this list. I found some list on you know, online, and then I had a couple buddies send me some list. So we're going to do, rank this list, be five five list for this, and I'll rank what I think, you know, should how they should be ranked. Then we'll get into NFL headlines, game predictions, rankings, five-star highlights from this past week, and then combat sports to finish it off. Let's get straight into the NBA. Clay Thompson, obviously, everyone knows. That was the night of the draft. All uh, right. Torn Achilles, heartbreaking. I feel very bad for Clay. Uh, he's out for the year. Um, I think the Warriors will still make the playoffs. Oh, I'm also going to give my post free agency way too way too early post free agency uh, playoff predictions for the NBA for the NBA coming up. When the NBA comes up in a month, so it's not really way too early. But I'll definitely, as the season gets closer, probably around the December 18 to 20 range is when I'll do my final predictions for what I think will happen during the season. This is just a immediate reaction to free agency. AD is waiting to sign till after Thanksgiving. I think he wants because what I've heard is what's going on here is crazy. It sounds he's waiting to see what Giannis does. Um, he is uh, if Giannis signs a one one plus one, he is also going to sign a one plus one. So it leaves the Lakers cap flexibility to go sign Giannis next off season. It's crazy. I think if Giannis signs the five year max uh, here soon. You're going to see AD sign a five-year max to get that security, for sure. Um, but yeah, interesting. We'll see. I think he said he's going to probably decide. He wants. He's hoping to hear, he's hoping to hear about Giannis's this week to where he can decide Friday or Saturday on his deal. Uh, Rockets have had trade talks for Russ, but not Harden. We don't really know teams. The Ro- they are not given teams, really, but they have had trade talks for Russ. I don't really know what teams would want to go get him. Um, I don't think Charlotte does now. They got a guard, you know. They got a lot of guards there. They got they got Lamelo now. They got Devonte and then Rogier off the bench. I don't see them trading for Russ unless you're trading Devonte and Rogier for him. But that would be a terrible trade by Michael. But you know, he just signed Gordon Hayward. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, I, if I'm and if I'm the Rockets, I'm not rushing on Harden. Why would you? Why would you rush on one of the best players in the world and send him to Brooklyn? You know, when you could possibly, I think you wait. You kind of hope the Sixers start off slow, and then you could maybe trade Harden for Simmons. Simmons is better than anybody you're going to get from Brooklyn, and that's including Kyrie. I would much rather have Simmons than Kyrie right now. People are very high on the Nets, and we'll get into this now a little bit, I guess. We'll wait to get into the Nets talk when we get to my uh, way-too-early playoff predictions. But no, I would rather have Simmons than anybody, unless it's KD, of course, but I'd rather have Simmons than Kyrie. That's a trade, and you can get Simmons. You could probably get... You know, uh, Matisse Thiable and maybe Tyrese Maxey in, in like three picks. That's a great haul, I think, for Harden. You get a guy that you can build your team around in Ben Simmons, who's only 21, 22 years old. Maxey, a rookie. Thiable, a second-year guy who was proven. And I think Maxey's going to be a great player. Um, not great. A really good player in this league. I think Maxey will be. Um, I wish he was a little bit taller. 6'3 for a shooting guard, but it's worked. And his shooting, he's a good shooter. So I think he's going to be really good in the NBA. But no rush. Kyrie, the the cat that was the one thing the Cavs did with Kyrie they messed up there was no reason to rush Kyrie was going to sit out camp that's fine but wait to find the best trade you know um I think
think they wait. I think they rushed it. And if I'm the, the Rockets, I think are, are they're, they're they're smart here. They're learn. They've learned from that. They've learned from that Cavs move. Why he's got he has no leverage. He has two full years left on his contract and then a player option. So he's gonna he would opt out, of course. I think if he played the two years out, but he has a two year. He has two years left. There's no reason to trade him. You could keep him this whole year and then trade him next year. It's not like he's gonna sit out and forfeit his contract that he's gonna play. So. Yeah, you don't. There's no reason to to rush this. Westbrook, I would, you know, if you want to get him out of there, I don't know. I would, I would say run it. I wouldn't even trade Westbrook right now. I'd run it. You signed, you know, once we'll you get into the boogie sign, but you signed some decent pieces. I think I thought they signed some good pieces. Christian Wood, um, I think that was a great piece. If Boogie's healthy, uh, you know, I thought they did. I thought they did some decent moves for their team. Um, and I think they could still be. And I'm my. I don't have them in my playoffs because I think they're going to blow it up at some point this year. So I won't predict them in the playoffs. But if they, if I, if the Rockets went and said we are not trading James Harden and Russell Westbrook this year, we are playing this season. I would put the Rockets back in the playoffs because I think they would definitely get to the playoffs. Um, but I don't think I think they will end up trading Westbrook, and I think at some point this year they will trade Harden. But don't if he, he's telling you I'm, I want to go to I'm only going to Brooklyn. Well, the thing is. He doesn't have any leverage because he can't tell if he's traded to Philly or if he's traded to, I mean, what, another Eastern Conference team or even a, a Western Conference team. He can't say, well, I'm not resigning with you. Okay, but you're playing these two years with us. So you have him for two years for sure. And I think, and I don't think, if he was traded to Philly, I don't think he would be like, oh, I'm not resigning with you after two years. I don't think he would do that. I think him and Embiid would work out great. I would love that trade for Philly. It would probably, if Embiid could stay healthy, I would put Philly as the number one team. In the East, I really would. I love that duo. I think it makes more. I just don't think Simmons and Embiid work out. I think you add a legit scorer and a good shooter like Harden is around Embiid. I think that's way better. Um, yeah, I would love that deal. And for Simmons, go be your own guy. Have them build a team around you of shooters. They got some. They got Christian Wood. He can shoot it. He can play the stretch five while you're playing the four, and then you line up three guards around you. Go, you know, go do, go do your own thing. You know. I think it just doesn't work. I think Simmons and Envy just doesn't work. Uh, Wizards owner says team will not trade John Wall. I don't know how much I believe that or not. And I mean, I guess I guess we'll see as this goes on. Um, Mitchell, Tatum, Fox. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, Brandon Ingram, all signed max extensions. Um, it, you have to. And people saying, well, this takes Miami out of the honest running. No, it doesn't. Because they can make trades next year and move guys around. They they can free up cap still. They can free up cap to get, to get Giannis. If they choose to. In my opinion, if you can make it to the NBA Finals again without him, I wouldn't do it. I would just build around Bam, Hero, and Butler. Keep building the team around them. That's what I would do. But we'll see how the season goes. So let's get into free agency. We'll start off with the Lakers. They lose Danny Green, Bradley Beal, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard, and Avery Bradley from the championship team. Bradley didn't play in the bubble. So people are people are kind of like, they're overdramatic with the Bradley loss. Well, he didn't play in the bubble. They won without him. And so you lose Dwight and JaVale, your sinners, right? Well, you bring in Montrez, Harold, Marcus Gasol. I think that's much better than Dwight and JaVale. JaVel wasn't even playing, you know? And then against teams like the Heat, 
you didn't play Javel, you didn't play Dwight that much in games, you know. Like in game six, they didn't even start him. He barely didn't play really till the end. And then you bring in Dennis Schroeder. That's a replacement for, you know, you lose Navy Brad or lose it. Oh, you lost Rondo as well. So you bring in Dennis Schroeder. Do I like Rondo? Yes. He's getting older. Dennis Schroeder was a smart signing. He's 27 years old. They're going to sign him to an extension, which I like. I like Dennis Schroeder a lot. Um, so great move there, Dennis over Rondo. Dennis just has to show us he can perform in the playoffs as good as Rondo. Dennis definitely scores easier. He's got to show that he's smart. That he's got to be smarter. He's not. He hasn't. He hasn't really shown that he's a smart player in the playoffs. Been doing, you know, hitting guys in the nuts and stuff. So, but I like it. I like the move. Go younger, more athletic. Well, you get Wes Matthews replacing Danny Green. That's oh, a great move. Wes Matthews is a better shooter at this point. Better defender, more athletic. Oh, and then you re-sign KCP and Markeith. I mean, the Lakers have the best. I think you could argue they have the best ten-man rotation. In the game, so I would you know I think the starting lineup is going to be LeBron, KCP, Wes Matthews, AD, Gasol, and then off your bench you have Dennis, Trez, um, Caruso, Kuzma, uh, Markeith, THT. That's eleven people right there that could legitimately play in almost any NBA roster and be in the top eight rotation. THT is the only questionable one. I think he's going to be a really good player. He showed great signs of being a really good player when he got in against Houston. I like him a lot. Lakers did work. They did work. Rob Polinka, A plus. That man is a G. Rob Polinka. He everyone says well, the Lakers don't really make many moves, it's gonna kinda stay the same. Rob Polinka said, Hold my beer. Let me let me get better down low than we were. Montrez is an upgrade from Dwight. More athletic at this point in his career. More energy can be given. I like Gasol over Javel. He does more. Offensively you can throw it to Gasol in the post. Can't do that with Javel. You get younger at Dennis, with Dennis Schroeder, who's a better shooter than Rondo. I think he can be as good as a defender. I think he actually can be a better defender at this stage in his career. I think Rondo's IQ is definitely better, but Rondo can get blown by still because he's you know he's not as quick anymore. I mean, Rondo's definitely a better passer, but I think Dennis is a much better scorer and shooter. Oh, we lost Danny Green. Okay, we'll bring in Wes Matthews, who I think is just a, a better version of Danny Green and more athletic. Oh, and we'll keep and we'll keep KCP and Markeith, who were massive in the run. Markeith was huge. KCP was great. Markeith was huge because you didn't know what you were going to get from Markeith, and he was amazing in the playoffs. All right, Lakers. April. Rob Polinka. I love you. Uh, Clippers bring in Serge Ibaka. Which I love that move for the Clippers. I'm not, not a Clipper fan, of course, but I love that move for them. So here's the thing. Everyone's saying Serge is better than Montrez. Yes, he's better in some... He's. I don't think he's a better rebounder anymore than Trez. He's a better shot blocker. Definitely a better shooter. Now, is he going to give you that 18, 18 to 20 a game? I'm not sure he can do that anymore. 18 to 20 a game is going to be a lot to ask from Serge Ibaka, in my opinion. And then... They literally couldn't do anything. And in my opinion, in my opinion, I don't think Marquise Morris is that much worse than his brother Marcus. I think Marcus does th- does most things better. I think Marquise is a better three-point shooter. I think Marcus is better in the mid-range and then getting to the cup. They're about the kind of the same defensively, you know, tough, hard-nosed guys, kind of the same. We got Marquise for one year, $2 million. They had to pay Marcus Morris because they couldn't afford to lose him. Four years, $64 million. 
you know. In my opinion, you had to over. I would I would have guessed Marcus's value would have been around ten, nine ten million. Pay, I had to pay him sixteen million a year because you couldn't afford to lose him. He Marcus Morris knew he had the leverage on the Clippers. Like, uh, you're gonna pay me high dollar because you need me. He knew he was needed that much. So guess what? They had to pay him. I if you're gonna give him that money, I'm not doing four years. He's thirty two. 31, 32. I'm not paying him for four years. Is what it is. Though. They had to do what they had to do. Boogie signs with Houston. If he's healthy, I think it's a great signing. I hope he is healthy. Gordon Hayward to Charlotte. Four years, 120 mil. I don't know, man. Uh, Michael Jordan, questionable. This is very questionable. This move was very, very questionable. Um, I still think Hayward can do good things. Um... I think he's actually going to be really good in Charlotte. I think he's going to, you know, Melo's going to be able to rely on him to get him the ball to go get a bucket. But why not a two-year deal? I don't like a four-year. Thirty, you're going to pay him thirty million dollars at thirty-four years at thirty-four years old. Don't like that deal by Jordan at all. I do think he's going to succeed the first couple years though. Because he's going to be their number one. Well, he's not, maybe they're not their number one because they got Graham still. He's going to be the number one or number two, or at the worst, number three. I think he goes in there and averages 20 a game, 18, 20 a game for them. And that's good. But again, it's overpaid. I can't believe his value, his market. I mean, the, the, Pacers, the Pacers were offering $25 million a year. I still don't understand that. I would if I was the Gordon Hayward, I thought when he opted out of his $34 million player option, I was like, what is he doing? I thought he'd get half that. I thought he would get a 17, maybe 16 to 18 million a year. On a two, three-year deal at most. I would have guessed three years, 51, 53 million, 51 to 55 million range. I would have only gave him like two years, maybe maybe give him the 20 million a year, but give him two years. I would not have given him four years. I don't understand those contracts. Those contracts are for an older guy, they're mind-boggling. You just get stuck. You did this with Nicholas Batum. He came in at 29 years old, 30 years old. You gave him a fucking... My bad for the cussing, but it just it makes no sense to me. You gave him four years. You gave him the same deal of Gordon Hayward. It just made no sense. I can't believe it. It just makes no sense. Let's go on. Fred Van Fleet resigns to Toronto. Four years, $85 million. Again, Toronto, in my opinion. I would not have paid Van Fleet uh, $21.2 million, million, $2.3 million a year. But guess what? They were kind of screwed. They had to. They lost out on Ibaka and Mark Gasol. They're two big guys. They were able to get uh, Aaron Baines. I hear they're trying to possibly, if they get a contract with Hassan Whiteside, to bring him in. That would be great. If they could bring Hassan Whiteside, that'd be fantastic. You had to bring back Van Fleet, though, for scoring reasons and just depth reasons. Did you overpay slightly? Sure. I think you did. But, again, what are you going to do? That one makes that one's fine to me because he's such, he's such a good role in Toronto. Like, he knows his role and he's good at it. So that one makes sense to me. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich did sign an offer sheet with the Hawks for four years, $72 million. The Kings tonight did not match it. They withdrew. They withdrew his uh, qualifying offer. So he is now with the Hawks. Four years, seventy-two million. I like the deal. Um, I think him at eighteen million a year is fine on what he can do. He's going to come in right next to Trey Young. They're going to be a great point guard, shooting guard duo. I actually like that signing. Gallinari also signed with the Hawks for three years, sixty-two million. I always thought Gallinari was going to get a one-year big-time money offer, like one-year $25 million. Again, he's good, and if he can stay the same for the next three years, okay, but a guy that's 32 years old, 
to pay him twenty, basically twenty one million a year for the next three seasons. I don't know. He's thirty two. You know, you're gonna pay him twenty one million dollars when he's thirty five. I would rather see the Hawks give him one year twenty five million or a one year or a two year forty million dollar offer. Two years before I don't, I don't know. I think three's a little long for Gallo at his age. <laughs> the Nets. They give Joe again, I don't know. I understand he's a great shooter. They gave Joe Harris four years, seventy five million dollars. I don't get it. I, I don't know what the I guess is the value different. I don't know what the values are, I guess. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, it makes seventy five million dollars? Good night for Joe. And you're going to say, well, you like the Bogdan Bogdanovich? Yeah, because Bogdanovich is a solid defender and can create plays off the dribble. Joe Harris is a three-point shooter. I'm, okay, I know it is what it is. Drogic stays put Miami. Two years, 38 million. I can understand two years. I think 19 mil is a little much a year for him, but that's fine. You had to keep him, though. And I thought Miami did work. I thought my not did work. I thought they did great. They didn't really lose it. They lost Jay Crowder, but they brought in Avery Bradley. Upgrade. I think the Heat are going to be fine next year. They're going to be the exact same team. And Avery Bradley fits the way they play so well. Gritty guy, defender, can shoot the three. And can create when needed. Um, Tristan Thompson. Signs with Boston for two years, $20 million. This is a great value deal by Boston. This is one of the best signings in free agency. He, Tristan Thompson knows I don't need to come in and score the basketball. I'm here to get rebounds and protect the rim. That's what he does best, and he's going to do that great. That's what they were missing. They were missing a rim protector and a big-time rebounder down low. Well, you have it. You have it in Thompson. 29 years old. You gave him a two-year deal. That was phenomenal. You get out of it when he's 31, probably starts declining because, you know, his skills are limited. Um... So yeah, that was a great, that was one of the best signings in all free agency. Was Tristan Thompson? It was a perfect fit. They need a guy that just rebounds and defends the rim. Well, that, they got that, plain and simple, and got him at ten million a year. You got him at ten million a year. And think of guys that were signing big time deals. I mean, I know the different positions, but good lord, Hayward thirty million a year. It, Thompson's just the perfect fit in in Boston. It was the perfect fit. I couldn't. I, I think it was it was a dream scenario for Boston. Jeremy Grant gets three or sixty million again. The guy that can't create his own shot got twenty million a year. I don't understand that. I would have valued him at twelve to thirteen million. And the thing that makes no sense is he got the same exact offer from Denver and chose to go to Detroit, where he's more of a catch and shoot guy or just a rebounder. And sometimes he can get to the basket, but he's not creating his own shot really. Well, you just you just went away from Jokic and Murray, who get you shots, get you open shots. And you go to Detroit, who's getting you shots? Derrick Rose isn't a passer. Blake Griffin's not a passer. They have a rookie point guard. We don't know how good he's going to be. I think he could be decent. I th- it was a questionable it was a questionable pick. I thought they picked Halliburton. <laughs> Davies Bertans, five years, 80 million. In the grand scheme of things, this isn't the worst one, though. 16 million a year. In... You're the Wizards. You're kind of you're you know you're, you don't have much cap because you're paying Wall and Beal so much goddamn money, so you kind of had to give him this deal. And it's sixteen million a year, but five five years a lot. I don't know, man. Um, Rondo says no to the Clips. They because okay, so here's what happened with Rondo and the Clippers. He signs a two year deal worth fifteen million to the Hawks. I love this move for him. He can go mentor Trey Young. I think Trey Young's going to benefit 
so much from learning from Rondo. The reason he said no to the Clips because the Clips were not willing to give him their mid-level exception because Montrez Harrell bounced, so they had to give that mid-level exception to a center. The only thing they could have gave Rondo was about a one-year, $3 million contract. He was not going to take that. When he had a two-year, fully guaranteed $15 million, and he's, it's not a player option. He's going to get that money. And then Melo stays in Portland for the minimum. Love that. Portland did good, too. Okay. So here's my way to, not way to, my a bit too early post-free agency playoff predictions. We'll go with the East, the one seed. I got the Brooklyn Nets. And this is me saying that Kyrie and KD can stay healthy. That KD is also the same guy that he was when he was with Golden State and with OKC. And he might not be, but I'm going to say he's going to be. And I'm going to say, let's say Kyrie can stay healthy. Yeah. And they have Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. I like their team a lot. So, uh, yeah, Nets won. Two, Miami. Pretty much kept the same team. Swapped out Jay Crowder for Avery Bradley. That's an upgrade. Heat of the two. I got Sixers at three. I think they're doing a, they're doing the right moves, bringing shooters in around Simmons. Got rid of Horford. That was massive. I like the Sixers. Four to the Bucks. The not getting Bogdan really sucks for them. Drew Holiday is definitely a nice upgrade from Bledsoe and George Hill. They didn't really make any other significant moves though. They had to really just use their mid level exception and then their minimum, you know, their vets minimum contracts. I think they take a step down. Uh, Celtics at five. And I could have had the Celtics possibly higher than the Bucks, and really, to me, two, honestly, God, one through five is probably interchangeable in the East. I think those will be the top five teams. Who knows? The Celtics could be the one seed, though. And I probably could have the Celtics above the Sixers and the Bucks because of the Thompson pickup. I don't think people realize how massive that is to get a guy that they needed like that. They didn't need a guy that could come in and score. They have that. They have Kimba. They have Brown, and they have Tatum to score. You needed a guy that could come in, protect the rim, rebound. They got that. was a huge signing. I may, I may have to, I, That will probably be changed by the time when I do more in-depth looking at the rosters and stuff. That will probably be changed. Celtics might be a top three team in these. Top two, maybe. Uh, six, I got the Raptors. I think they take a step down because they got way worse down low. Baines is definitely worse than Gasol and uh, Ibaka. So they take a step down. I have the Hawks at seven entering the playoffs. I love all their moves. We're going to get into my five best, who had the five best offseasons in the NBA, five best team or the the five teams that had the best offseason. Hawks at seven. I love what they did. I think Gallinari is going to be huge for them this year. He's going to be massive for them. Bogdan's going to be great. Rondo. I mean, they did well. They did really good. I really like what the Hawks did. Eight, the Pacers. I think they still make the playoffs. I'm not very high on Miles Turner. Um, they could possibly be higher than the Hawks and the Raptors if TJ Warren is uh, can still come in and give you that 18 to 20 again. Was it a bubble fluke? We'll see. Uh, out West, uh, the one seed. I have the Los Angeles Lakers, who, in my opinion, did the best up, uh, roster upgrading this offseason. Um, I love what they did. They're better on paper than they were than they won the NBA Finals, and that is scary. Um, good luck. Good luck. Lakers won. Two Nuggets. Even losing Grant, I still think they're going to be very good. I think their young guys, Porter and Bull Bull, I think they're going to step up huge, especially Porter. I think Porter's going to be really, really good next year. So I think the Grant loss isn't going to be as big as people think. Um, I think they're still going to be really good. Um, that big three of Jokic, Murray, and Porter Jr. is going to be scary. Three of the Clippers. They saved themselves. I had them at five until they got Ibaka. 
they saved themselves being a top three seed for me. They could also be two. Two and three kind of interchangeable. For the Suns. For the Suns, they good. Jay Crowder's a good signing. Again, three years, 30 million. Bit long. Bit long. I would have given him a one or two year deal. Three's a bit long. Um, you trade for Chris Paul. Um, I really like their team. I think they're a top five team in the West, and I got them at four. Uh, five, the Jazz. You know, run it back. You know, I like their team. Get healthy. You know, and thing about the Nuggets, you got to realize, going back to Denver, Will Barton going to be back. That's huge. Will Barton's, Will Barton was probably the third best scorer last year, and then he got hurt. He was out the entire bubble, basically. Um. So, yeah, I like the Jazz. Six, this might be kind of generous for me because I really I don't think people realize how big the clay loss is. I got the Warriors at six. They would have been my two if clay was healthy. Losing Clay, I don't think people realize how how dominant they go. They're so dominant with Clay and Curry together. So I, they're not like an average team, but they're they're still a really good. They're still a good team, but they're not what they could be with Clay. Yeah, you got the Kelly Oubre deal. That's great. You got Wiggins playing the two probably this year again, though. It's not Clay. Seven. I got the Mavericks. I don't, I did, they didn't have the, which I understand what they're doing. They didn't have the offseason I thought they were going to have. They pretty much brought back everybody, lost Seth Curry, brought in Josh Richardson, which I like because he's more of a defender and they didn't definitely need help defending. Um, but they're definitely gearing up for next offseason to make a run at Giannis and those other big time free agents that can be there Kawhi, Paul George, stuff like that. They're going to make a run next year for sure. They're not ready to compete. So I got them at seven. Eight Blazers. They lose Whiteside. They do bring in Covington, though which I really liked. I really liked the Robert Covington deal. I really like what the Blazers did. Um, and again, their team for me, they could reach as high as four in this conference. And probably when I do an in-depth look at the depth charts, I'm pro- definitely probably going to have them over Dallas. Um, and you could argue over the Warriors too. We'll see what happens though. But I got them at eight for now. So going to the draft. The three biggest steals for me. I didn't, because I would have LaMelo Ball as the biggest steal at three because I thought he was by far the best player in the draft. I'm doing guys that were kind of like outside of the top 10 steals. So my first steal, Halliburton at 12 for the Kings. A monster of a steal. What a steal. That was a great, that was, that was he right into the Kings lap. Halliburton just fell right there. The Kings couldn't believe it. They thought they would probably get somebody else. They would have to draft a different position. They didn't think a guard would fall that far. Well, he did. I'm interested to see how they run the backcourt duo with Halliburton and De'Aaron. Uh, Tyrese Maxey at 21 to the Sixers. I had him going in my mock draft, I think, at 14. And one of them, at one point, I had him as high as 12 or 11. Um, huge deal. Great shooter. I think he's going to make an immediate impact for the Sixers. I love that trick. I love that pick. And then Desmond Bain at 30. In my opinion, Desmond Bain's one of the best. He's probably top two or three two-way players in this draft, and he falls to 30. I had him going 18. He falls to 30 to the Grizzlies. Great job there. Who do I think the three best players from this draft will be? Uh, one, LaMelo. Two, Obi Toppin. And then three, Denny Avija. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe Toppin. I had, so in my rankings, I had LaMelo as the best player, then Toppin, then Avija, then Wiseman, then uh, Anthony Edwards. I thought Avija would only go as low as five. Or no, four. I thought he would actually go four because I thought he was a perfect fit for the Bulls, and I thought Toppin to the Cavs is a definite pick. Um. Proves to me, I guess the Cavs are going to try to win some games this year, though, and keep Kevin Love at the four, because if you were drafted top, and that means Kevin Love's days are numbered. Who do I think the three biggest busts will be? I think Anthony Edwards is going to be a bust. 
the Minnesota Timberwolves just had Andrew Wiggins. <coughs> I see a lot of Wiggins in him. He's even said he doesn't watch basketball. He doesn't like it. He's just good at it. That's not a guy I want. That's not a guy I'm drafting number one. To me, you just took Wiggins. How did that go? Come on. Pat Williams at four to the Bulls. That made no sense to me. The the Bulls there. Um, I have Pat Williams going. 11 or 12 in my mock draft. He goes all the way up to four. That was interesting. I think he'll be a bust. I don't, I've watched his college tape. I'm not, he's good. I think he'll be a solid player in this league, but not the, not the potential of the fourth pick. Jalen Smith at 10 to the Suns. Wasn't a fan of this. Um, I understand you kind of needed a four. I just, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of the pick though. Um, I would have liked Devin Vassell. I thought Devin Vassell from Florida State was better than Patrick Williams from Florida State, who went 11 to the Spurs. I liked him more. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have went Vassell. I don't think Jalen's going to be that good. I think he's he'll be, a, he'll be a role player most of his career, in my opinion. All right, that was a 29-minute talk about <laughs> NBA offseason. So we're going to get into college football headlines. OU is now a playoff team. Now, you're probably going to hear me say this and be like, what do you mean? They can't make the playoff. They have two losses. Again, yes, they're not going to make they, – it would be they would have to have utter chaos happen for them to make the playoffs. Um, what I'm saying is, though, if they would only have one loss, they would either beat K-State or Iowa State, one of them, they would be the fifth-ranked team in the country. They have a defense. This is their – to me, this is their worst offensive unit – They've had in a while, but they're getting better and better. Oh, they look so good. And now they're, this is the best defense they've had in a while, though. This is the best overall team Oklahoma's had in a long time. It just took them a little bit to figure it out. And here they are, dominating Oklahoma State 41-13. to Come and punch them in the mouth. Go up 21-0 early. Punch them in the mouth. Take that hate off my, my boy Rattler. Talk about him a little later. Am I worried about Ohio State's defense? Yes, that's you'll see them bump down in my... Uh, power 22 rankings, I am worried about the defense a lot, especially defensive backs. Uh, did the committee, tonight was the committee's first official college football playoff rankings. BYU at 14, way too low. Um, I think I have them at 10 though. So it's not, I guess it's not way too low, but I can't believe that you had them outside the top 10, in my opinion. And now BYU has a chance to, they only have one game left in their schedule, but they have a chance to add a couple games because now the Pac-12 is saying, you the Pac-12 teams can add a non-conference opponent for weeks that teams get COVID. Like a Washington, BYU could go to Washington and play them. That would help them. They could add some different teams now. That could help them, of course, but a little low for me. Uh, how could Cincinnati make the playoff? Okay, so let's get into the rankings, and then we'll answer that when we get to Cincinnati. So this week, you know, I, I sat back and said, I was listening to Kirk Herfrey talk, and he said, to me, you can't go off of wins and losses. If a team has one, or you can't go off, you can't make a big assumption that a team has zero losses versus a team that has one loss. Well, they, the team that has zero loss should be higher ranked. Well, you can't do that. You got to go by who you think the best team is. So I did that this week. This week, I'm going by who the best team is. At one and two, I have Alabama and Clemson, one and two. I think they're dead even. But this is where you have to go Alabama at number one because they have the zero on their record. So they're dead even, but I put Alabama one. At three, I have Ohio State. 
um, undefeated. I don't think they've looked. I don't think they've even played close to their best football yet this year. At four, Notre Dame. Yeah, they're eight. No, no, but they get North Carolina this week. Tough test, and then we'll see how they fare against Clemson in the AC title game when Trevor Lawrence is playing. Okay, so five, five and six is A and M Florida. To me, it was all about the head to head. I do think Florida. I think they're. I think they're about equal. I think Florida and A and M are about equal teams, but A and M has the win, so you got to put them over. Now here's seven, Cincinnati. Okay, sorry, Cincinnati seven. They're eight now. Um, so for them, what they need to happen. Okay, and then we'll finish out the top ten. Eight Oklahoma. I have them up at eight. I have nine Northwestern, who's undefeated, and ten BYU, who's undefeated. So for Cincinnati, first off, what they need to happen is they need Ohio State just to blow out Cincinnati when they play them, or blow out Northwest, or either one. To me, you're not getting two in anyway. So Ohio State, Northwestern, you're going to cancel one out. Let's just say Ohio State's in. Okay, Ohio State's in. A&M is not going to get a play for a SEC title because they lost Alabama. They need Alabama just to mollywop Florida. Or not mollywop, just beat Florida. Because if Florida beat Alabama, then two SEC, then two SEC teams are probably getting in. So you need Alabama to beat Florida. So then you got Alabama and Ohio State for sure in. Florida and Northwestern out. Then you need either Notre Dame to beat Clemson, or you need Clemson to prove it was a fluke and beat Notre Dame by two or three touchdowns. And it not be really a competitive game. Because then you have, let's say Clemson just let's say Clemson beats Notre Dame 45 to 27. Then you have Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State in. Then you slide in. If you run the table, then you slide in. Because in my opinion, I don't think an Oregon or USC runs the table, and I don't think it would be enough with only playing six games to say that you're better than Cincinnati. And then it would help if it would help Cincinnati if AM did lose another game. Because the committee, they even said they're not really, you know, the difference between a zero loss team and a one loss team isn't that big, especially when AM is their only loss as the number one team in the country, right? If AM is to run the table and keep dominating teams, well, then, you know, they're going to have to question damn, do we put an SEC team in who they're, they've beaten everybody else, but their only loss is to Alabama? Or do we put in an undefeated Cincinnati team who played in the American Athletic Conference? So you'd really love for AM to lose another game, then you're for sure in as the fourth team. But again, most the things that are guaranteed to happen, uh, Clemson and Notre Dame are going to beat each other, and I think if, de- if Notre Dame definitely beats Clemson, Clemson's out. You can't put a two loss team in. Then if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I think you got to say, okay, well that Notre Dame win might have been a fluke because you only beat them by seven, and they had their backup quarterback in. Northwestern Ohio State, one of them is going to beat each other. Um, Florida's going to lose to Alabama. You can almost count that down as a certain, can you? Okay, but two of those things are going to happen. So then it's down to, okay, Alabama beat Florida, and we have a chance. It'll be between us and A&M. And then if A&M lose a game, which I don't see them doing the rest of the year, well, there you go. You know, you're set. So we did the top 10. 11, I have Miami. 10, Indiana. 13, Oregon. 14, Georgia was way too high tonight. They were 9, I think. That's ridiculous. They looked terrible. Again, not their fault. Their quarterback, you know, Set out because of COVID, but still, they're not a good. They're not that good of a team. Uh, Fifteen, Coastal Carolina undefeated. Sixteen, Marshall undefeated. Seventeen, I have Iowa State. Eighteen, I have Texas. Nineteen, North Carolina. Twenty, USC. Twenty-one, Wisconsin, and twenty-two, Auburn. 
So now let's get into my week 13, five best games of the week predictions. I'm running away with it. I'm doing great in college football. NFL is looking dicey. Um, my number 17, Iowa State. At number 18, my number 18, Texas. I got Texas winning 30-27. Number three, my number three, Notre Dame versus my number 19, North Carolina. I got Notre Dame winning 41-34. My number 22, Auburn uh, versus my number one, Alabama. I got Bama winning 38-20. Um, LSU at my number five, Texas A&M. I got A&M winning 34-23. Uh, Colorado at my number 20, USC. I got USC winning 35-30. Uh, spreads of the week, heavy Big 12. Uh, Texas minus one versus Iowa State. Indiana minus 11 and a half um, versus Maryland. Colorado plus 12 and a half at USC. K-State plus five and a half at Baylor. And Oklahoma minus nine and a half versus West Virginia. All right, so let's do. This is the rank the list. There's five of them. We do five. We're gonna do five of them per when we do these when we do this segment. We're gonna start off with NFC East quarterbacks. Number one, Andy Dalton. Number two, Alex Smith. Three and four, Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. Both are terrible. Wentz is awful. If anybody come, stop giving this man a pass. Why would we keep saying, "Oh my God, you know he's he's still good. He's still into the team." No, he's not good. He's not good. Stop giving him a pass. He's just not good. He's not good at all. And Daniel Jones is not the answer in New York. I don't care what anybody says. Jones ain't the answer. Alex Smith and Dalton are better quarterbacks than Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is not good. He is not good. Stop telling me how good Carson Wentz is when he's 3-7 and or 3-6-1. and Should have ran away with it. If you're that good, you should have ran away with this division by now. You're leading the division by half a game. At three six and one, unbelievable! Stop telling me how good this guy is. Uh, top five, so five guys got max extensions this offseason: Mitchell, Tatum, Bam, Ingram, Fox. So top five guys. Who are the who do I think are the top five? Who are, do I think are the best players out of the five? One, I have Donovan Mitchell. Two, Jason Tatum. Three, Bam Adebayo. Four, Brandon Ingram. Five, De'Aaron Fox. Not high on Fox or Ingram really. I love Bam, Tatum, Mitchell. You could, if you said Tatum one, Mitchell two, I wouldn't argue. I just think Mitchell showed me a lot in the bubble as a leader. Um, I really love Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he's a superstar in this league, one hundred percent. Ingram, you know, he's good. I'm just not super high on him. You know, the, he's, he's, he's going to be KD. Come on, come on. The disrespect towards KD on that one. De'Aaron Fox has a little bit of Russell Westbrook in him. He's going to give you the stats. Going to give you a show. He's athletic, fast, dunks it hard. A little bit of Westbrook in him. Top five QBs I'd you'd start your franchise with. I had to do a tie at five because I couldn't choose. This is going off age and potential as well. Number one, come on. Do I have to say Patrick Brown's name? I mean, that's, everybody's number one, I hope. Two, Russell Wilson. Still, even at 31, 32 years old, Russell. He's unbelievable. Three, Kyler Murray. Kid's special. Four, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I know they, they suck this year. Watson's still a great quarterback. And then at five, I put Herbert slash Burrow. I would choose one of them too. Uh, if I, if you know, all these four were taken above, I would either choose Herbert or Burrow. I couldn't pick one. I think they're both dead even right now. We'll see what happens in year two. My top five most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Number one, Adam Thielen. I understand people are like, well, he's elite and stuff. Yeah, but he does no recognition. He's not talked about as a. He's not talked about with those top guys. And I think he is a top guy. You could argue. I could argue he's top five. I could make an argument that he's number five. But he's my number one most underrated. Two, Cooper Cup. Guys, guys, incredible. Cooper Cup's unreal. 
Uh, number three, Tyler Lockett. Doesn't get talked about at all. He has DK on his team, you know. So, didn't really get talked. He's really never got talked about anyway. Number four, Tyler Boyd for the Bengals. That guy's killing on my fantasy team this year. He's a stud. Burrow loves him. And number five, this guy would have a lot better stats if he had a legit quarterback. DJ Shark for the Jaguars. He's a stud. Yeah, I hope he gets on a new team next year. Unless the Jaguars get a really good quarterback. I love DJ Shark. Uh, top five teams that had the best offseason. Number one's easy, the Lakers. Um, number two, the Hawks. Love what they did. Three, the Blazers. Covington was massive. And there, you know, could you still get Whiteside back as possible? So they're going to be really good. Uh, four, I got the Suns adding Chris Paul. Um, was good, was really, really big time for them. Um, still questionable their draft pick, but the Chris Paul addition really is a big one. And five, the Hornets, because you had a LaMelo ball. And I think Gordon Hayward's going to be re- pretty good the first couple years. So I like the Hornets offseason, besides the contract length of one Gordon Hayward. Okay, NFL headlines. What do I make of Tampa? Now, rough loss to the, to the Rams. Brady throws a pick late. It was a game. Um, I still, I still will, I'm still going to ride with Tampa as my Super Bowl pick. I think they're going to end up figuring it out. You know, it's it's getting kind of where he's got to figure it out quickly, though. You know, you're already at week 11. You played 11 games. You know, five to go. It's you know, let's get it going. But I still, I still have faith in Tampa. Can anyone beat the Chiefs outside of the Raiders this year? No. The Raiders just have. They just play the Chiefs tough, man. And I beat them. And then you have a game where Mahomes has to throw a game-winning touchdown with 28 seconds left for the Chiefs to win. Um, so, yeah. I know I don't think the Chiefs will lose again the rest of the year. Well, they might lose again this year, but can anyone beat them when it comes down to the playoffs? No, they're not going to lose. Again, the Chiefs have to be good for one quarter because they can throw up four touchdowns in a quarter to win a game. Could the Cowboys come back and steal the NFC East with Dalton healthy? 100% they can, and 100% they will. I think you're going to need six wins. At the at Probably the minimum six. Seven would be nice. But let's say that I think you, the Cowboys might go six and ten, win the division, and end up with a pick from ranging ten to thirteen. Yeah, I think the Cowboys will steal it. Their defense is fine in their ways. Dalton comes back. Those were 225, three touchdowns against the Vikings. They finally got the running game going. Zeke went over 100. Pollard had a 42-yard touchdown run. Yeah, Cowboys are going to come back and steal the NFC East. Can the Ravens turn it around? Yes, they can. But by turn around, I mean that they can... I think... Because right now, the Ravens got to be the last wildcard team in, right? Because you got the Titans at 5, the Browns at... Six and you're at seven with the Raiders battling. I think they turn around enough to get into the playoffs. Yeah, they'll turn around to get into the playoffs. Not to where they can turn around and become Super Bowl contenders. No, they got to figure out something. They got to bring in a big time wide receiver or something to help Lamar. And Lamar's got to get better at passing. Why I'm still not a believer in the Saints. They're eight and two, and I just don't. I'm not a huge fan of the Saints. I don't. I think they're they're they have first round playoff exit written all over them, all over. You know, the good thing is they're probably not going to play the Vikings this year, um, which is good for them. But I still think first round exit written all over them. I don't, I'm not a huge fan. And they have, they're the number one seed right now in the NFC. They're 8-2, and two, best team in the NFC record-wise. They're not the best team in the NFC, though, but they have the best record. Not a believer, though. So I was bad last week in game predictions. I'm down to a 61.9% win percentage. Not very good. 
need some wins this week. So Thursday, Thanksgiving, I got the Texans 27, Lions 30. It's Thanksgiving Day, by the way. I got the Washington football team 20, the Dallas Cowboys 24. I have the Baltimore Ravens 23, the Pittsburgh Steelers 20. I'm going with an upset this week. I say the Ravens win this game. Lamar is going to have a great game. I think He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to have a really good game. And the Ravens are going to upset the Steelers and end that 10-0 record. Um, Sunday early games. Right? Yep. Raiders 34, Falcons 23, Browns 24, Jaguars 10, Cardinals 28, Patriots 24, Chargers 27, Bills 31, Giants 23, Bengals 13, Titans 21, Colts 24, Panthers 26, Vikings 30, and Dolphins 27, Jets 17. Sunday, late games. 49ers 17, Rams 28, Saints 24, Broncos 20, Chiefs 31, Buccaneers 24, Bears 16, Packers 27, and then Monday Night Football, Seahawks 30, Eagles 20. And I've fallen off now in my spreads as well. I'm under 500 again. I started off so good, and I've been a terrible the last three weeks. It's absolutely rough. Which I've got three calculates. I'm missing a week. But right now, with oh, I'll have to go back and look. I'm 26 and 29. I think I'm actually 28 and 30. No, I'm 29 and 31. I think is my record, though. I think I'm the a couple weeks ago I missed one. I think I went three and two. This week, Cowboys minus two and a half versus uh, Washington. Chiefs minus two and a half over the Bucks. Rams minus six and a half over the 49ers. Seahawks minus four and a half over the Eagles. And Raiders minus two and a half over the Falcons. So now I'll get into my. Post week twelve or po- or my power twelve post week eleven standings right or week twelve standings I can't remember oh post week eleven yeah uh, so at one or at one I got the Kansas City Chiefs two the Pittsburgh Steelers three the Los Angeles Rams they're the most complete football team in the NFC defensively and offensively I still got Tampa at four Indianapolis up to five that defense is really good Green Bay at six Seattle at seven Saints at eight. Titans at 9, Bills at 10, Baltimore at 11. Couldn't pick, so I had Raiders, Cardinals tied at 12. My five-star highlights from this past week. Boomer Sooner. Stop hating on my boy now. Stop hating on my boy. Don't do it. Okay? Hold on, though. Uh, Figueredo. What a win. Um, Finishes him in a minute 57, and now he's going to defend the belt on 21 days notice. December 12th. What a guy. Ferguson Oliveira, both get five star of the weeks. Step up on three weeks' notice to uh, boost up that card on December twelfth. It's a pay per view. Hey, quit the hate on Rattler. Five star of the week. Boomer Sooners back. The Sooners are back. Combat sports headlines. Um, Ferguson will fight Oliveira. They'll fight each other both on three weeks' notice. It's a great fight. Um, Jan Peter Jan out of the Aljamain Sterling fight, so that's why Figueiredo has stepped up and will headline the card now against Brandon Moreno. Triple G is back on December 18th against Camille Chesmoretta. Canelo Alvarez is back the day after, December 19th, against Callum Smith. Uh, Tyson Fury is going to return in January. Wilder will be back late January, early February. They will not fight each other. Uh, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier is now officially official uh, per the UFC. Uh, it was official about a week ago, but, you know, they the little ins and outs of the contract, whatever. Uh, Fight Island, Dana is aiming for fans. Cannot wait. I'm not going to break that down right now. 
as this gets closer, each podcast I'll talk about a little more. Um, I think everyone knows how I feel about this fight. The, the matchup is great for Connor. McGregor uh, will fight Pacquiao in his next bout unless the UFC is offering a title fight. Smart by Connor. Um, some predictions. Roy Jones Jr., Mike Tyson this weekend. Now, come on. I'm going to be really pissed if this is a, you know, if they don't go in there and knock each other's heads off like they're talking about. People are talking about they're not going to punch each other. Like they're not going to hit each other hard. It's a sparring match. Why well, don't give a rat's ass about that? So I better find out the day before that Mike Tyson is going to punch this guy in the face or I ain't paying $50 for it. Come on. Now, the, the fight that I'm actually most excited for is Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson thinks he's going to win. I can't, but people think that Nate Robinson's going to win. Did you see him hitting the pads? Stop it. Jake Paul's been training for three years straight with, uh, uh, who's he training with? Was it not Roy Jones? Was it Sugar Ray? Might have been Sugar Ray. I think it's Sugar Ray for the past three years. I got Jake Paul via second round knockout. Now, I really can't give a full prediction on Tyson Roy Jones. I'm going to say if they do fight, Tyson knocks him out before the end of round two. If this is a real scrap. We'll see what happens, though. It's mind-boggling if they don't go in there and punch each other's heads off. I'm going to be very upset. UFC fight night on 18 predictions. Not a stat card. I just did the co-main event and the main event. I got Anthony Smith. Uh, it's a light heavyweight bout between Anthony Smith and Devin Clark. I got Smith via decision. Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis, and a heavyweight bout. I'm reaching here. I'm going Lewis via first-round knockout. So now let's do a little December preview. We're moving into December. Big fight cards. Two big ones back-to-back weeks. So or you got three straight. First off, December 5th, you got a great headliner. Jack Hermanson, Kevin Holland in a middleweight bout. That's going to be phenomenal. That same night, you got Earl Spence Jr. returning. If you guys remember, Spence Jr. was in that car crash where he was ejected from the car and somehow walked out with very minimal injuries for that type of accident. He's back to defend his title against Danny Garcia. I like Earl Spence in that one big. Uh, December 12th will be UFC 256. Great four-fight card. Figueredo, Moreno. I like Figueredo. Just, we'll do quick predictions, but obviously I'll do it more in-depth when it comes to it. I got Figueredo quickly. First round again. Uh, Ferguson, Oliveira. I think it's going to be a great three-round fight. I got Ferguson via decision. Um, Mario, or is it Martin Vittori versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Good fight. I think Vittori wins. I think Souza's done. So I think Vittori gets a finish. Junior Dos Santos, Cyril Gane. This is it for Dos Santos. He loses, he's done. Um, and I think he does lose to Gane. I think Gane gets a knockout quickly. Uh, December 18th and 19th. On December 18th, like I said earlier, GGG versus uh, Camille Cesmarata. And December 19th, Canelo Callum Smith. And then that same December 19th, the UFC Fight Night on ESPN 20. This card is stacked. We'll, just, we'll start from the bottom of the card and work our way up to the main event here. To kick off the card is Jose Aldo versus Marlon Marlo Marlon Cheeto Vera, whatever they call him Cheeto Vera. Cheeto's the one that beat Sugar Sean O'Malley when Sean got hurt. He's gonna fight Aldo. I like Aldo in the fight. Um, uh, Misha Shurkinov versus Ryan Span in a heavyweight. That's gonna be a quick knockout. I think Span gets it done this time. I'll go Ryan Span via knockout. Marlon Marais back after his loss. Quick turnaround, fighting Rob Font. I got Marais winning uh, via stoppage round one or two. Marcin Tiber versus Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy backstepping up into the competition. I like this fight for Hardy. Going to be stand and bang. 
I got Greg Hardy via knockout. The co-main event, Wonderboy Geoff Neal. Neal's been looking for a big fight. He's been on a tear. I want big fights. Here you go. Here's Wonderboy. Might be a little too high for Neal. I'm going Wonderboy via decision. It's only a three-rounder. I think Wonderboy gets it done. The main event, what a fight. So how this fight came about, Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev, guy that's been on a tear, wrecking everybody. It's a ridiculous step-up in competition, though. Um... So, Shemaya said he wanted a top five guy. He wanted Leon Edwards bad. Edwards was turning down fights because Edwards said he deserved a top five guy, which he turned down the Wonderboy fight, so that's kind of on him. So, the UFC said, okay, you're gone from the rankings. You've been too inactive. He calls in the next day and says, fuck it. I'll fight Shemayev. Let's do it. This is, and again, people are going to say, Shemayev's ranked 15th, Edwards ranked 3. They're going to say, why would 3 be fighting 15? I think it was very smart by Edwards because... I think the pressure's on Shemaev. With all the hype and all the build to this guy, he's taking a massive jump up in competition to fight a guy that could arguably be fighting for the world title. Edwards has a chance to steal all that momentum and all that hype and throw it right into himself. If he goes out there and beats his ass, here we go. You know? Edwards, call out Masvidal, call out uh, Covington, call out Burns, call out everybody if you get this win. And I think he does. I'm going Edwards via... Right now, I'm going Edwards via decision. I think he drags him into the deep waters where Shemaev hasn't been. I think he gets it done. Could he could even see a finish in round four or five. Oh, yeah, and then uh, Thanksgiving Day, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, baby. Uh, we're ranked number six in the country, facing the number one team in the country, Gonzaga. Game one, cannot wait. 12 o'clock, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's going to be great. You got KU at 12, Cowboys at 3.30. Rock Chalk, baby. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Be back. Um, Friday or next Tuesday. But thank you guys for listening. See you.